this is a um, depiction of the strong angel. It's a uh, watercolor by an artist at about the turn of the 19th century, between 1803 or 1805, by William Blake, who was commissioned to do 80 watercolors, biblical watercolors, by Thomas uh, Pratt. And this is this is one of those. You can see down in the uh, bottom there. See if I can get a get a. Uh, see John right there. He's sitting there and he's uh, looking up at this angel. And. Uh, Blake's uh, rendering of this is such that he feels that the seven thunderings of this chapter are depicted by these writers down here, not necessarily the four horsemen. But <clears throat> this chapter has to do with a strong angel with a little scroll. And uh, so I think that what we'll do is we'll read this together. And... Uh, so, in unison, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are in it and the earth and the things that are in it and the sea and the things that are in it that there should be no delay but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. When the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and I will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. I took the little book in angel's hand, and I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again many peoples, nations, tongues, kings, 
that really reminded me of uh, that last hymn we sang uh, that Arnie led us in uh, where it says uh, I will give thanks to thee O Lord among the peoples I will sing praises to thee among the nations so giving thanks and praises among the peoples and the nations Let's do a little uh, housekeeping here. Let's look first at uh, the purpose statement. Now, I got this statement from uh, Mark Hitchcock, and I think it's really a very fine statement. And I'll I'll endeavor to get you the the appropriate slides uh, for this, Uh, but I I just ran out of time, and I've been uh, struggling with it with a cold here and uh, I hope my voice will hold out but anyway the the purpose as uh, I see it here and I agree with Hitchcock that it's to give believers the advanced history of how Jesus Christ through judgment becomes king with a view towards calling them to faithfulness, and to godliness. Um, we have the, def- the inspired outline, so to speak, given to us in Revelation 1.19. And it says, Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. <clears throat> now, first the things that are, Chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the disclosure of himself to John. And then the letters to the churches in chapters 2 and 3. And then the things which come thereafter. This is the, uh, you can see there, how uh, the seals, the trumpets... And you'll notice that there's an interlude in between the seals in chapter 7. And then also there's an interlude beginning at chapter 11 and extending on through chapter 15. Uh, That's a second interlude just before or just following the trumpets. Now this next uh, slide shows you the different... uh, approaches to understanding the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. And there is what is called this um, simultaneous perspective. In other words, the seals, the bowls, or the seals and the trumpets and the bowls are all concurrent. They're happening all at the same time. Uh, The sequential perspective uh, looks at this from the standpoint that they occur uh, one series after another. And then the the, uh, third uh, view is a partial recapitulation perspective. In other words, after the fourth uh, horseman of the apocalypse, uh, after the fourth seal, then the the trumpets begin. And then they continue on and and the the bowls don't begin until the uh, the fourth trumpet. 
the view I, I uh, embrace myself is this telescoping uh, perspective. And it's um, actually at the, uh, the seventh, seventh seal encompasses the, the seven trumpets. And the uh, seventh trumpet actually encompasses the uh, seven bowls. So this, this is a telescoping perspective. Um, I don't, we don't have time this morning to get into uh, much beyond just setting that forth. Uh, this is a slide that Dave Mealy made, and uh, I think this is really good. Dave put a lot of work into this. Uh, the rise of the, you can see the rise of the Antichrist with a peace treaty referring back to Daniel 9.27. And then you have the, uh, in chapter chapter 6, you have the, op the opening of the seals. And you'll notice that the seventh seal there encompasses the seven, the seven trumpets. And uh, the trumpets actually encompass chapter 8 and 9. And then the seventh trumpet actually begins... At chapter 11, verse 15. And then um, after the third woe, and part of the third woe, uh, you have the seven bowls, or vials, as, as some understand it. Uh, the, um, there's kind of a four and three pattern that occurs. Uh, uh, between the uh, seals and the uh, trumpets. Uh, the first four seals uh, are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then you have uh, the four trumpets, and then uh, the following three of the trumpets are three woes. So there's kind of a four and three pattern in in the uh, in the layout or or in the now in the midst of well we'll get to that in just a minute um, now the the timing of the trumpets is uh, particularly significant and uh, we we feel that the uh, the trumpets took place in the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. We see at the beginning uh, the preparation for fulfillment uh, with the end of the church age and the conclusion of the church age. And if you, if you accept a pre-tribulational approach to this, then you would hold to the rapture of the church at the culmination of the church age. Then there's a time of preparation, further preparation, and then the, uh, and it's indefinite, it's not clear how long this might be, uh, the time for Antichrist to jockey into political and economic position. A peace treaty is signed, that's the beginning of the Great Tribulation, uh, the first three and a half years, uh, one of the significant things that takes place 
uh, among the seven seals that a, is that a number of people uh, die. Over a billion people die. And does anybody remember the percentage? 25% of the Earth's population. It's felt that uh, the, uh, the seven trumpets take place during the latter part, uh, the great, during the Great Tribulation, and uh, in the last three and a half years. This is because another great amount of people uh, perish during this time. And uh, so a third during the seven trumpets, uh, another third perish and die. You actually get the impression, wow, is there anything left? Uh, The earth is decimated. It's it's just... uh, it undergoes tremendous um, devastation from the judgments of God. <clears throat> then at the, um, it'll take the kingdom age to clean it up. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to contemplate what will take place there, but you can see the other events. Um, now, the seals... Uh, after the sixth seal, there's an interlude. There, there, this is the first interlude. And that takes place in, uh, let's get the one with the, uh, the seals compose, uh, are comprised chapter six. And then the first interlude a period of encouragement after these, uh, the devastation of the, uh, the six seals, there's an interlude. Now, these interludes are important because they, they add additional information and, so to speak, flesh out the events that take place in, in, uh, in the book itself. And without them, there there uh, there would be just these these uh, three uh, uh, sequence of uh, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. But they they flesh out with information what's what's taking place. Uh, and the second interlude actually is uh, where we are right now in chapter ten, and it encompasses chapters eleven through fifteen as well. And then the bowls actually begin, commence in chapter 16. Now, there's two focuses of chapter 10. Uh, one focus is the sovereignty of God. That God is absolutely in control of what is transpiring in regard to these matters. And the second focus is the scriptures themselves. And we'll see that very prominently here in the uh, in the in the 10th chapter now there's two main interpretive issues in in the 10th chapter first is what is the little book and the second is who is the strong angel we read about the strong angel 
in verse 1 that was depicted in William Blake's watercolor. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Um, what does this remind you of in the book of Revelation? Chapter 1. Chapter 1. There's a, there's a similarity, but there's not an exact sameness. Where's the rainbow found in chapter 1? It's not there. It's later on, and there was a rainbow around the throne. So there are some dissimilarities. There's some similarities, but not a sameness. <coughs> and he had in his hand a little book, which was open. And he placed his right foot on the sea, and his left on the land. It shows him. It shows that he's 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 covering all of the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder <coughs> uttered their voices. Now, you can see here the similarity in Revelation 1, 15 through 16. His feet were like burnished bronze and when, when it has been made to glow in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And so you can see the similarity between that and the uh, Revelation 10.1. Uh, here's, here's one of the main reasons why I think this refers to another angel, and that's because of the... Uh, the preposition that takes place let's go back to uh, it says I saw another strong angel another strong angel coming down out of heaven and the the word for another th this uh, adjective refers to another of the same kind uh, in this case, it refers to another angel, like the angels of chapters 8 and 9 that are associated with what? In chapters 8 and 9. The trumpets. So there's an association there. So uh, another reason why I think this refers to uh, the... Uh, to an angel and not to the Lord Jesus Christ is as you read the book of Revelation when Jesus is mentioned in Revelation he's clearly identified it doesn't leave any doubt in your mind that uh, that this is the Lord Jesus and uh, this um, this reference to this strong angel Another strong angel is um, is not clear. It just it, it's just not transparent. Um, and the seven peals of thunder 
And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. What's the content of those seven thunderings? We don't know. Blake depicted it as uh, horsemen uh, driving across the sky. Uh, but we have we have the uh, the seals, the seven seals. We have the seven trumpets. We have the seven bowls. And in between these, as we pointed out, we have these two interludes. The first interlude takes place in chapter seven, and the second interlude actually begins here in the chapter we're looking at this morning, chapter ten, and it'll continue on through chapter fifteen. And in the midst of this are these peals of um, of thunder. And uh, then the angels whom I whom I then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever. And what was the attribution that he swore that's particularly interesting? It says he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that were in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be a delay, there will be delay no longer. Uh, there's there's a strong uh, reference through the book of Revelation. Uh, to God is the creator. Uh, over here in chapter 14 and verse 7, and he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of waters. Uh, one other place earlier in, uh, and I think it's... Um, I think it's chapter 5 where there's a hymn of, uh, uh, of um, pertaining to the creation in the very last verse. Let's see if I can uh, pull that up. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. In chapter 4, verse 11, the last verse of chapter 4. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the frequent mention in the book of Revelation to God is the creator. Well, I'll tell you that creation today is under the first 11 chapters are just under real attack among evangelicals today, among Old Testament thinkers in, in the Old Testament. It's disgusting to see how they're trying to fashion and uh, make the literature appear to be other than a straightforward historical account. Uh, well, let's come back to... Um,
Revelation 10.7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, and the mystery of God is finished, and he preached to his servants the prophets, as he preached to his servants the prophets. Over here in chapter uh, 10, verses 8 through 10, Then the voice which I heard from heaven I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go take the book which is opened in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea uh, on the land. So I went to the angel telling him to give me the little book and he said to me, Take it and do what with it? Eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter. But your mouth, but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth, it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. This is harks back and is somewhat of a recapitulation of what what took place back in the book of Ezekiel and chapter Ezekiel. Uh, Chapter 3, we read this, Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me this scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll which I have given you. Then I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to many peoples of unintelligible unintelligible speech or difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should listen to you. Did they listen to Ezekiel? No, they didn't. Uh, yet the house of Israel will not be list- willing to listen to you since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. So what is the message then? It's sweet in his mouth. And this this really speaks of the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God is followed by a bitterness in his stomach, which speaks of the devastating judgment which is to come. And they said to me in Revelation 10, 11. What is that? I don't think that's... Uh, see if I can pull that up here. Actually, the text reads, and he, he said to me, um, well, we'll not get into a textual 
controversy at that state at this stage. Um, He or they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So what is the message of, the, of this, this um, little book? It... Um, little book, uh, it's felt, uh, contained the rest of the book of Revelation. Now, here's, and I'll make you a copy of this for next week. These are four words of the underworld. Uh, and, and they're, they're, they are um, very, very helpful in understanding um, yeah, let me see. And I'll make you a copy of this next week so that you can have them and uh, have it and uh, get these straight. I'll, I'll tell you, it's um, it's good to have something like this um, because there are these uh, these frequently are mentioned. Uh, now, this is the timeline that we see here of um, just kind of coming back and by way of summary. We see the seals. What chapter are the seals in? Starts with S, six, and the first interlude is seven, and uh, eight and nine are the trumpets, and then we have the second, um, the second interlude, and then beginning, and and he says that he's going to have to testify to. Um, see if I can get the text back up here. You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So that's the last verse of uh, chapter 7. Well, we're running out of um, we're running out of juice here, so we're going to have to finish this up in a hurry. Let's um, chapter uh, 12 has to do with Israel. Uh, chapter 13 has to do with the beast. And then uh, chapter 14 uh, is the prelude to war. 
Now, um, by way of practical application, these are some elements that uh, I've gained from Stuart Custer's commentary on the book and also from Mark Hitchcock. And, and I'll print these out for you next Sunday. God sends spiritual help to earth, whether we can perceive it or not, uh, according to Revelation 10.1. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and he delivereth them. Psalm 34.7. God is sovereign. The angel has one foot on the land and one on the sea. He controls it all. God is absolutely in control of this. God uses books to further his purposes. Uh, Revelation 10.2 Daniel understood by reading books of scripture the length of the exile. What book was he reading? Right. Jeremiah. And there are some things we can't know now. We must walk by faith. Trusting God. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. God always acts right on time. He's never late. And the hardest thing when we pray is to take wait. <laughs> wait. When in the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. God is bringing all things to a proper conclusion. Revelation 10, 7. Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Here we read, we must devour God's revelation in Scripture. How do we really devour Scripture? It's by memorizing it, committing it uh, to memory. Uh, how sweet are the words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey into my mouth. When you read the Word of God, don't you feel that way? That, that it's sweet? And we need to take God's Word into our, our lives. You know, uh, you've heard the, the saying, we are what we eat. If we absorb the Bible, the Scriptures, God's revelation into our life, we'll become like it. We should delight ourselves in the sweetness of God's revelation. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb, Psalm 19.10. But parts of God's word are bitter to us. Parts are sweet. Some parts are bittersweet. But we need to take it all to ourselves. Part of our responsibility after taking in God's word is to send it out. Sometimes it's bitter. I can tell you this, that uh, I know of a man who was the pastor of a, of a very sound, fundamental, evangelical Baptist church. And he began to dig into some aspects of Scripture that to him were very sweet. Uh, sweet as honey. And uh, he... Uh, He's written two gigantic thick volumes pertaining to New Testament teaching during, during this and, and uh, making it as, as credible 
and uh, defining it as credible. And, and as, he, as he did this, he began to preach on it. Now, maybe he got too preoccupied with it. I don't know. But, uh, but he certainly, uh, he certainly, as you read the content of what he delivered, you, you can certainly uh, see that it was sweet as honey to him. But the interesting thing is, um, he uh, he was not meant uh, he was not uh, meant with favor in regard to this, and he was dismissed from the church. Those scriptures that he dug into, and uh, they were sweet as honey and the honeycomb to him, but they became bitter to his hearers. And um, it's too bad. Let's be open to all of the counsel of God and uh, thank God for it. Let's, uh, let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your blessings to us in your word. And sometimes it is uh, sweet as the honey and the honeycomb, and yet it convicts us of who we are and what we are. Lord, we just pray that uh, the bitterness of the revelation of it, of all, what our human condition and our heart is, might not drive us from savoring the wonderfulness of your word. We thank you for this great chapter that speak to us of this mighty angel in the little book. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Just in time. The battery died, Dave. <laughs>